0: Bibles, and uh, look with me, and we're going to look at one main passage today in the book of Ephesians, chapter four, and we'll start with verse one. And I, I want to build up to this. I, wa- I want to get you guys' understanding of what we're going to look at today. and And uh, for the last month, I, we've been focusing on this idea of God's desire. We're starting a new year, and everybody took out a piece of paper and a pen and said, "This is what I want for the new year. This is my New year's resolution." And I thought, what a shame that we don't start with what He wants rather than what we want." Amen. And when we looked at, what does what the Bible say is the desire of God? And started all the way back in Psalm 23 that he said, "The Lord is my shepherd, you'll never want." When you follow after the shepherd and he leads you along and he leads you in the path of righteousness. And we talked about how a lot of people are still in want and they're still hungry and they're still empty because they, they, they cease to follow in the path of righteousness. It's not a popular day, but it's the truth. There is right and there is wrong. The church needs to be preaching on what is right and what is wrong. We need, we need to get back to the point where we, we read this, we follow this, we obey this, and this becomes the final authority in our lives. And say, what's wrong with America? America has pushed this away, and that's what's wrong. But the, the focus of this has been, through all of this, was the fact that my sheep hear my voice and they follow me, and there is a relationship that we have with God, and so we talked about how God pursues us. And last week, how God desires a relationship with us. An authentic, I love you, you love me. I do what I do because I love you, God. Not because, oh, it's Sunday, honey. We need to get up. We, we need to go. It's it, it's good for the kids. That mindset is killing the church today. Then I want to pull it together, this relationship, into a little bit broader sense. And I... I I, I'm thankful for the family that God has given us. And let me say, the church is a family. If your church doesn't feel like family, you're in the wrong church. If you're in a church that's a good church and it doesn't feel like family, it's because you're not connected. And, and I, can, I, I can't force people to be connected. All I can do is beg and plead and throw things out there to say, get connected, but it's important that we are a family. The family concept that we talk about as us being a family comes from God's Word. I, let me tell you a little bit, and I, and I do this because I, I believe that it's important for us to relate and, and make application, and God has blessed me with a great family. I, I, I'm, a, I'm a dad, and, I, and I'm not saying this to downplay my position as a pastor, but I love my role as a dad more than I do as my role as a pastor, so I can't believe you said that. My role of a dad ought to come before my role of a pastor, or I will fall apart in my role of the pastor. Okay, and, and a lot of people, when you reverse that, then it falls apart because God established the home before he established the church. Biblical. But let me tell you, God God blessed me with three kids Jordan, Logan, and Morgan. Some of you know them, some of them you do not. And let me let me tell you something about my kids. They they all have the same mom and the same good looking dad, all three of them. They do. And, and, the, and, we, and I, I tell you, there's, there's a, a, a joy of being a dad. And I remember vividly, I don't remember a lot of things, but I remember vividly uh, holding all three of them for the very first time. And, and I remember how they grew up and the changes in their life and the things that, that went on in their life. And let me tell you one thing that I have definitely with all my heart can tell you about my kids. They are not the same. He you said, know, "Oh, there, there's, there's a brand new revelation, Pastor Tony. My kids are not the same. And you're going to sit there and just think I'm crazy right now, but please give me a minute to tie this in. The reason they are not the same, even though they have the same parents, is because God made them different. And to me, that is one of the blessings of having a family: is the fact that I've got the variety of my kids." And the differences in my kids helps develop the unity in our family because some of my kids are weak in some areas and strong in the other. But when they come together, they form a bond where their strength and their weaknesses help each other out. Let let me tell you, God, God gave me Jordan. I'm going to introduce my family. Jordan's the one in the Alabama shirt, so you can boo him right now if you want. Jordan is so different because Jordan is my thinker. He likes to plan ahead. When he was, and I'm not kidding, when he was like six years old, he would draw out charts, hang them at the top of his bed of things that he wanted to purchase and how many days it was going to take him to save up the money and jobs he wanted to do around the house. And he's willing to get up early to knock something out to get his schoolwork done or homework done to be able to do what he wants to do. He loves to jump into his schoolwork as early as possible to get it done. He'd rather get it done and get it behind him. He loves technology. Me and Jordan relate in some ways where we love to to build and do creative things. Uh, He he showed me a YouTube video one time and he said, Dad, they learned how I can if there's stuff in the garage, we can build a missile launcher. And I'm like, dude, I'm in. (laughs) And we went to Lowe's and bought PVC pipe and that's just part of it. And we built this thing together. It's got an air compression valve in it, and it holds compressed air. And we've shot rockets, paper uh, rockets, over 300 feet in our neighborhood. Oh, wow. One landed on a neighbor's house, and we've not yet told him. But one day he'll find it. So <laughs> I just thought, for the sake of the community, it's better to keep some things quiet. <laughs> I've got my second-born child is Logan. Logan is my sports kid. He is. He would. He would rather. Die than do school, he, he 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 doesn't chart things out. He doesn't. Sometimes he doesn't even know what day of the week it is. He is go with the flow, lay back. It doesn't matter. Uh, you know what I'm saying? But that's that, that's one of the things that I love about Logan. He's not uptight. Jordan's like, Dad, can we do it now? Can we do it now? Is it time? Is it time? Is it time? Is it time? And Logan's like, Whoa, what's up, dude? I mean, he just. Two opposite ends of the spectrum. And, and, and when, when I'm in a hurry to do something, I'm like, Jordan, go with me. When, when I just want to hang out and relax and play Xbox, it's Logan, what are you doing? It's the, they, they both have their strength and their weaknesses. Until you bring them together. <laughs> have you ever tried to combine a perfectionist with somebody that's really laid back? <laughs> and, and, and it's great because... I, I, I've got this third child, and, and, and that, that one's Morgan. And uh, this, the picture of Morgan is, we, we were doing the staff pictures for the church website, and we had this whole photo shoot set, set up and everything, and Morgan thought it would be funny if she photobombed the pastor's uh, headshot. The, this, this And that's so her photobombing my, my picture. But she's my, my little sarcastic, witty mini-me. I, I, I love that aspect of my little girl and she loves princesses and she she loves now getting into sewing and she's so different than the boys because something are are the boys in here i love all of you the same they they give me this hard time because it's harder to say no to your little girl than it is to the boys is any any dads here, the dads of little girls, ra- raise your hand right now. Am I the only one like this? It, it's something I, I, about the difference, and she knows how to play me, and I'll admit to that. Please don't tell her that, but I'll admit to that. I love my kids. Sometimes I like one over the other more, but I, I love all my kids. And... What I love about them is the fact that God made them so different. And he, and he tailored them for me and Jenny. He gave them as a gift to me and Jenny. And nothing, nothing, nothing in this world brings Jenny and I more pleasure than being together as a family. I can't, I can't begin to tell you the joy of that. And then when I see about our Father and what He desires of us and, and the fact that He creates a bond and desires to bring a bond and, and, and the things that He desires of us, it, it's, it's amazing. But I, I can tell you what God designed for our differences to come together to be our strengths, a lot of times they end up being the division of us. For the, for the fact that somebody that is older that has wisdom and someone that's younger that might have more energy and strength, God looks at them in his scripture and he says, you know what I desire of this? That the older would teach the younger and the younger would support the older and the wisdom would be poured upon them and the strength would come back and support them. But what ends up happening is we usually turn our backs to them and say, they don't respect me or they don't relate to me let me tell you, that is not of God. God has said over and over and over again that He desires unity among His children. We'll be in our house and I'll go up and I'll be uh, wanting to enjoy the day with my kids. I'll tell you what ends up happening is we, we end up letting our differences of what one person's good at, what one person likes over the other person turned into World War III. And let me tell you, for me as a dad, what that does to me as I hear them saying, get out of here, leave me alone, get out of my room, this is mine. Leave me alone, don't touch this, I, weren't, I wish you weren't here, da-da-da-da. It turns and it grieves my heart because what I love them and I love her and I love him and I have those kids and when they don't love each other, it means that the kid that I love doesn't love somebody else that I love. And for, for me as a father, I sit back and I say what I desire is for us to come together as a family and for the love that we have one another to be the bond that we have one another. Because I tell you, in the world, the sick world that we live in, we better have family to back us up. So well, that's a great opinion. No, that's Bible right there. God established the home, God established marriages, God established parents and children, and God established the church. And let me say, everything that I just mentioned is linked together according to God's word. And When we get that out of balance, that's when things fall apart. When we don't love each other the way that God says. This is where I'm going. Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 4 verse 1. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 1. It's amazing how sweet a home can be when the family is dwelling together in unity. It's also amazing how miserable a home can be when the family has strife. I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called with all lowliness and meekness and long-suffering and forbearing one another in love, endeavoring. To keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit. Even as you are called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and the Father of all. Who is above all and through all and in you all. Let's pray. Father, I do pray, Lord, that you'll give us wisdom. Lord, as we look at your desire for the relationship that you establish with each and every one of us to be bound together in a bond of peace. And Lord, I, I know without a doubt, Lord, the world that is seeking for truth and for something different, for something godly and something wholesome that it should be found in the church. And Lord, when it is not found in the church, it is no wonder that the world runs the other way, not wanting anything to do with what they see. Because they don't see anything different than what they see in the world. Help us, Lord, to grab this and apply it this morning in your name. Amen. The word in the beginning of this, it says that he desires that we walk worthy, which is appropriate, as becometh or after the godly sword, is what that word means. Do you realize that God has dictated to us and says... As I am your Father and you are my children, this is how I want you to live. This is the desire that I have of how you should live. I want you to walk worthy of the calling that I have given you in your life. Which means that there is a right way to live and there is a wrong way to live. And a lot of times, we put it all on the outside of this is how God wants us, but God starts on the inside. Here's how. With all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love, Endeavoring to keep the spirit, or the unity of the spirit, in the bond of peace. Unity, without a doubt, is God's desire for the church. For us, as his children, want to walk together in unity. To worship him, unified. To praise him, unified. To serve him, unified. To be able to go out and, and preach the gospel, Unified. So say, where do you get that? Did you not get the rest of it? It says one God, one spirit, one faith, one body, one, one, one. When there is one, it doesn't mean that they're splittered. It means God doesn't desire for half the group over here and half the group over here. But can I tell you that in America, that you could, it's rare to find that it's not that way. Whether we're talking about in, in the church or, or home or marriage or, or within families. All for one God. Everything that we do. When I was home in Alabama, uh, Jen and I, I, I do this thing where we're driving around and and I point out to her and I say it's it's amazing how many churches are in every corner. How many of you have ever been in the South and know what I'm talking about? Is for like that, that? I mean, it's amazing. You see it here, and and when I came up here and I did kind of a search on independent Baptist churches that kind of stood and believed like we did, is like they're few and far between. I mean, really. Go down south and look that up. Look up the word Baptist or independent or whatever you want to look. And and there's an independent Baptist church that's parking lot backs up to the uh, parking lot of an independent Baptist church. And you step back and go, how did that happen? And over on this corner, and they're all small churches. Not that God is against small churches by any means whatsoever. But he is against it. If all these churches happened because they disagreed and they could not get it right according to the way that Matthew 18 said to come and make things right between another, but rather than getting it right, we divide. Because you know what? That is the easier, humanistic, fleshly thing to do. It's easier to turn my back and divide than it is to go to them and do what God said is right. That is true whether it's between two of you in the church. That is true whether it's, it's in a marriage Or any other kind of relationship within the body of Christ. God desires unity. Let's walk through this. And I'll go quickly with my points. We begin with the basis of unity. And I'm I'm going to show you just say, well how do you get that? Uh, Other churches have come up to me and asked me and said, it's cool what God is doing at Fellowship Baptist Church, but let me ask you, Pastor Tony, how do you do that? When you have a church that is 50 years old and you have people that have been there all 50 years old or 50 uh, years in the church and you also have people on the other side that are brand new to the church, but they can come and serve and worship and be so different but so together. How is that possible? Biblically speaking, he spelled it out. Verse 3, Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit. The unity of the Spirit. Notice that it is capital S in the passage. That is the Spirit of God. Here, here's, here's the thing. How many of you here are today are saved and you know it? You're, uh, raise your hand. Don't be ashamed. All right, that's, that's, that's a good thing, right? Amen? We're, we're the church. We're called out assembly of believers. That's Ecclesia, the, the local church of who we are. And the very fact that God has called us out To be the local assembly, the body of Christ that is what binds us, what brings us, what saved us was the Holy Spirit of God. It's the only hope that we have. And because you have the Holy Spirit of God, you are equipped with the Holy Spirit. Let me say, because you are equipped with the Holy Spirit of God, there should be a difference in your life. There should be a distinct difference of what people see in a bar compared to what they see in the life of a Christian sitting in a church pew today. But what happens is they sit there and this guy's arguing over this and they break into a fight and then they walk into the church and these people won't talk to these people. They might not be swinging fists at one another, but it is the same thing. They can't get along and they can't get along what is the difference between the world and the church? It ought to be the Spirit of God that has changed us as believers. The Spirit of God came upon them. It's what God does in our lives. When we're say we receive the Spirit of God. And I tell you, the Spirit of myself, let me tell you about the Spirit of Tony Liuzzo. There is strife and anger and bitterness. But I tell you, the Bible begins to say, it tells us that He does a a work in my life. He's begun to do a good work. He's changing who I am. The Spirit begins to fight against the flesh and the flesh against the Spirit. And I surrender my life to the Spirit of God. And He begins to make all things new in my life. Not me, but God in me. The Bible says in Psalm 133 verse 1, Behold how, what? Let's say it again. Behold how good and how what? Pleasant it is for brethren, us to dwell together in unity. I tell you, if we get together and there is nothing good and nothing pleasant about us, it means we're not together in unity. We're not. He said, oh, that ain't going to happen. There is no way. There is too much diversity within any church to be able to pull us together to have things that are good and pleasant. I'll tell you what, we don't all think the same. We don't all view anything the same. We, we can't even agree on football, okay? Let me just prove a point. How many of you are Michigan fans? Raise your hand right now. Do you have enough guts to do that? See? There's people that like to lose that even go to church. There's diversity, There's winners, there's losers. It takes all of us coming together to be able to do that. It's something that God has given us to where he said, I'll tell you what you all have in common, and that is the fact that Jesus Christ came into your life, no matter your past, your history, your sin, wherever you came from, God made you different, and we're together through the Holy Spirit of God. The one thing that I can agree upon that we all get together is Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. When we're, when we're saved, we get baptized and we, we, we obey God and we follow after Him. We stand and sit in a pew and we praise the name of Jesus Christ. We walk out of here, we serve the living God and we told those that are lost in darkness about the truth of the gospel. And all the people said, Amen. Because Amen. there's a unity that God has given us. He said, I'll tell you what, that's next to impossible. It is when you don't Use the Spirit of God. So how is that possible? Read verse 2. Say, how, how do I get along with, with those people that drive me nuts? How, how do I get along with those people that drive me crazy? And, and, and some of you brought that person that drives you crazy with you in your car today. <laughs> You'll catch on to that <laughs> here in a minute. Let me tell you, every family has that oddball and if you say my family does not have that oddball it's because you're the oddball (laughs) you just don't know it nobody's giving you the label yet how do i how do i how do i go to church and get around people that i don't see eye to eye or get around i god said you're going to do it with all lowliness and meekness and do it long suffering and forbearing one another in love. I said, That's what you're going to do. I said, I don't want to do that. Then God says, Then you're quenching the Spirit of God and you're bringing in division in the church. Lowliness is humiliation of mind, it's modesty or humbleness of mind. It is, I could sum it up, it's removing the word I from everything that you say. It's It's lowliness. It's putting others before yourself. Do you know, you know what usually is there in a church? When you get there and division starts, it always starts with that big, ugly letter I. Well, I'll tell you what I think, and I just don't see it that way. And I, 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 it's I. The disciples started having that eye problem, and he said, hey guys, can you lift up your eyes into the harvest? Can you do that? Because when we get our eyes and on eye, then we lose focus of the mission. He, he said in meekness, meekness relates to the, the manner in which we receive injuries because I promise you this, even though people love God, they're still going to upset you. Did you know that? People that love you are still going to upset you. And God said that meekness is having the attitude that how we react when we disagree do we retaliate do we slander do we gossip do we strike back do we try to get even because those are the things that our flesh tries to do then he said the word long suffering is bearing patiently with the faults and infirmities of others you know why God had to say that because all of us have faults and all of us have problems everyone here And if you think that you're that one person that God has blessed to be above all problems and everything, then you need to go back to the humility and lowliness part because you've got an eye problem. People fail and people will let you down. But God said you need to be long-suffering to them because here's the thing, God was long-suffering to us. When you say God could have turned his back and walked out on us, let me tell you, God did not do that, but we're so quick to do that to one another. And here marches into the church of God division. And then he says this long-suffering and forbearing one another in love. You know what? Forbearing one another is showing grace beyond what they deserve. And if Let me tell you, if there's division, then there is an absence of the working of God in the church. Now, there should be division when it comes across when we sit there and say, "We will stand against what God has said is sin. Boom, draw the line, cross over, stand your ground and fight for what is right." Amen. But we find the opposite. And it's, it's found in, in point two in verse two as well, with all lowliness and meekness, for bearing one another in love, endeavoring, verse three, to keep the unity. Now, I want, I want you guys to mark this down because you're saying, wait a minute. I know a lot of good churches. They came together. They were on fire. There was a sweet spirit. There was something special going on. Man, God was blessing and God was working. And da! da, da mean, this is it was great. And then it all fell apart. You know, what I say you, you need to go back to when it fell apart. And evaluate that thing spiritually to see what happened. Because the Bible says endeavoring to keep the unity, the Bible says there is a battle for unity. Let me explain. There's two important words that are mentioned in this passage. The first one is the word endeavoring. The word endeavoring means to make an effort, to give diligence or to labor at. To keep unity in your home, you've got to work at it as a family and as a dad. To keep unity in the church, the pastor has to constantly be on guide to work and labor at it you cannot just sit back and think because all of us have a human nature and when we're not fighting with the spiritual nature it will take over and will show its ugly self in the church but the word keep is the same word in the old testament that said keep thy heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life the word keep means to guard The Bible says if there is a sweet spirit in your church in the older and younger getting along and the new members and the old members and everybody there that's in the family, God said you better do something. You better pay attention, work at it every single day. You better put effort into that church. And he said you better stand guard. So we, we, we fight an enemy that is seeking whom he may devour. And I promise you, he cannot remove the word of God. He cannot devour the word of God. He cannot remove the rock in which we stand. But I tell you, he sure can divide us on the rock. He sure can put me at odds with you and odds with you and somebody else. The devil is out to do that because the Bible says that united we stand but divided we fall. A house divided against itself cannot stand. When you think about the church as the very thing that he has established for the last day to say that the gates of hell cannot prevail against it, what do you think he's going to target? It's not walls and curtains. It's not pews and carpet. It is the people sitting in this building that that Satan is after to divide us. God says, here's here's what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to learn to fight for unity. There is a battle for unity constantly all the way around us, in your home or wherever you're at, to guard against it. I'll tell you, my family, I love, we have certain days in our family that are family days. And and I'll go to the kids and we'll wake up or have our day and I'll say, what do you guys want to do? The first one says, I want to stay at home and do nothing. The next one says, let's go shopping. The next one says that I want to, you know, build a snowman. I don't know. (laughs) Felt like breaking in the song right there. Every person has a different desire of what I want. And you need to realize that the whole reason that dad wanted a family day was so that I could be and enjoy the blessing of my family. But because each person has what they wanted, when they get together, there's no unity. When there's no unity, there is no joy for the father whatsoever. We've gotten so caught up in the preferences of what I want this day to be that we forgot about who we're here to serve. It is a constant battle. Constant fight. Paul said you better watch out. He was telling this church. You know why he was telling this church this? This church was compiled. Of Gentiles. And then there was the Jews. And the Jews looked at things and the way that they did ministry and the way that the Gentiles did, and they looked at it differently. And he turned around and he said, You guys better learn what to focus on, because in most churches and most places like this, there are divisions of people because there's different types of people. There are older and younger. And let me say there should be. There should be. Because we're family a family doesn't have older or younger let me tell you that family is going to die out churches today are dying out by the thousands estimated 6 to 8000 churches in america are closing their day uh, their doors every single year in america and you say what has gone wrong cuz it's why what we prefer whether it's a style of dress or a tie or a jacket or a music style of a hymn or a chorus or a a praise song. Who does what or who gets more stage time or where do we sit or what do we sing or what's the name of a class and all these things. You know what all of those things have in common that we normally argue and bicker about as a church family? What they all have in common is none of them are in here. Take the local average church the thing that divides them has nothing to do with this it has everything to do with the words i want this i like this i grew up this way i prefer i i i and let me tell you i'm not directing this at any age because it applies to every age whether you've been in church your whole life or you're new to church if you've been saved your whole life or whatever the case might be this applies to all of us and it breaks my heart when you look at the things that man divides over are the things that man created you say well let's just go back to the bible days i would be preaching in a robe and you'd be sitting on the ground And people say, I just like the way that used to be. Everybody is comfortable with what they liked and preferred. And then time goes on and time goes on. But what a lot of churches do is they they sit there and say, boom, this is what I like. And then the next generation comes and there's a gap that drips between them. And that generation goes over here and starts a church. And that generation, and they both do what they like. And then all of a sudden there is no wisdom and unity and then the one church over here saying, I'll tell you what, everybody's compromising God away from God's word. I'll tell you, if we would just get back to God's word, it wouldn't be a problem. And let me emphasize the word, God's word, God's word. Because a lot of times when people come to me with the word saying what I like or what I lo- want or whatever, they rarely ever say, and so, Pastor Tony, let me show you why. Reminds me in Matthew 23 verse 24. Jesus was dealing with the Pharisees that had a lot of things that they created, that they followed, that they were in love with, that they pushed upon other people. And Jesus said, you guys know what makes me sick about you? You blind guides, you strain at a gnat, you strain a gnat and swallow a camel. They would take these really fine... Strainers, and they would strain their oil and stuff because they didn't want that getting into their system. And God said, but what you're swallowing is a camel, which was the biggest animal of their time or their area. And God says, "Here, "Here the thing. You, 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 would, you would strain over this little petty thing over here. And I'll be honest, somebody came up and whispered to me one time and said, if you ever stop wearing a tie in the pulpit, I'll quit this church. I said, I'd prefer you to say, if you ever stop preaching the gospel, I'll quit this church. Man created this. And I'm not preaching against ties. I'm wearing one. But when we start getting to the point where we hold this up above this, we've got issues. Amen. Man created a lot of what we have here. But all of a sudden, we have dividing things that are not in Scripture. And then they come back and say, preach the word, pastor. Get up there. Stand, stand upon God's word. Do we, do we really want that? Because if we did that, we'd have to apply living in meekness and forbearing one another and love and all the other things that God says actually pulls the body of Christ together. Say, man, you're making a big deal out of nothing. No, I'm tired of seeing the church fail, And I'm not saying about here. Say, then why are you preaching it? Because I believe that we need to, number one, be aware and we need to guard what we have. That's That's not my opinion. That's what God said. Guard it. Love it. Go after it. How do you do that? With lowliness and meekness and long-suffering and forbearing one another in love. But let me close with this. We looked at the basis of unity as the Holy Spirit of God. The battle for unity. God said you better protect it and keep it. And the third thing he said, the blessing of it. Skip down just a few verses when he pulls all these principles together. He said, let me tell you what's so awesome about this. If the church, the local church would get this. Verse 16. From whom the whole body fitly joined together. Older and younger. New members and charter members saved for three weeks or thirty years. The whole body fitly joined together and compacted unity by which every joint supplieth, Every person has a role according to the effectual working and the measure of every part which is the Holy Spirit working. Maketh. What's the next word? That was horrible. Maketh what? Wait, wait. Churches can't grow today. Not in this day and age. Nobody cares about the truth anymore. They just want to run off and da-da-da-da-da. we do all that. No, it's, it's an excuse. It's, it's our way of justifying the fact that we don't do what the Bible says. My God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He never said in the last days I will pull back my spirit and they will have half a dose. He never said in the last days I'll take my two-edged sword and give them a one-edged sword. Never, never, never. Our generation has the same power of God to make a difference in the world as they did before. The question is, are we doing it unified? And if we do, we're going to see the body grow. And some people come in and say, well, I just don't want to be part of a big church of that. Where are they supposed to go if they're being saved? God pulls them back into the body of Christ and make increase the body so that we can do what? Increase the body unto the edifying of itself in love. This is God's desire right here. We make it into so much more. My God is not dead. He he has a desire to work and, and to change lives and to do amazing things, but I tell you, we get so blinded over things that God said is nothing more than a gnat and you are willing to swallow And and I thought why are we heartbroken over the fact that people are going to hell but we'll sit there and argue about dumb things dumb dumb things God will not have aisles in heaven of those that it's saved and lost it divides us. So what's our priority? What is the desire of God? Let me read this and we'll be done. Philippians chapter 2 verse 2. Fulfill ye my joy. That ye be like minded. Having the same love. Being in one accord and of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. But in lowliness of mind. Let each esteem another better than themselves. Look not every man on his own thing. But every man on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus.